neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. But thou wast cast out into the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. Now what's going on? You say, preacher, see, what is Ezekiel, the prophet of God, testifying about? Well, just for a little background information very quickly, you remember that Ezekiel was the prophet of God to the nation of Israel during the Babylonian captivity. God raised him up and used him to prophesy unto those that were born during that captivity why God had led the nation of Israel into Babylonian captivity and then he reminded them of their sins, the nation, the national sins of Israel and then he prophesied about a future restoration. And what he's dealing with here, he's telling the nation of Israel where they were when God found them and the condition that they were in. But not only do I see where the nation of Israel was, but I see a picture of the grace of God where you and I were. And I want you to look at it in that viewpoint tonight. The Bible said in verse number 6, And when I passed by thee, and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. I have caused thee to multiply in the bud of the field, and thou hast increased in waxen great, and are come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned, that thine hair is grown, whereas thou wast naked and bare. God typifies the nation of Israel to a little girl, if you will, to a baby girl. Verse number 8, Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love. Now spread my skirt over thee, and I covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee, and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. Then washed I thee with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil. I clothed thee also with broided work, and shod thee with badger skin. And I girded thee about with fine linen, and I covered thee with silk. I decked thee also with ornaments, and put bracelets upon thy hands, and and a chain on thy neck. And I put a jewel on thy forehead, and earrings in thine ears, and a beautiful crown upon thy head. Thus wast thou decked with gold and silver, and thy raiment was of fine linen and silk, and broided work, and thou didst eat fine flour, and honey, and oil, and thou wast exceeding beautiful, and thou didst prosper into a kingdom. And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty, for it was perfect through my comeliness, which I have put upon thee, saith the Lord God. Now, leave off reading with verse number 14. If you go home and read the remainder of the chapter, you'll find that not only does God deal with the nation of Israel and the birth, the birth of the nation of Israel, but you can go and read verse number 16 through the remainder of the chapter, and God deals with the backsliding of the nation of Israel. How they went away from God and how they got into idolatry and, and to uh, idol worship and all of this. And that was the reason that God sent the nation of Israel into Babylonian captivity. But I'm interested tonight uh, in the birth of the nation of Israel. And we see not only the birth of the nation of Israel, but we see a picture and a type of the new birth and how that we got into the family of God. Now, when you think about the grace of God, that's what I'm looking at tonight. Uh, 
There's the dispensation of grace. We're living in the dispensation of the grace of God. That time period that God has saw fit to deal with this world in grace and in mercy. The Bible said in John chapter 1 verse 17, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Not only the dispensation of grace, there's the doctrine of grace. And we understand tonight, we're in agreement on this, I reckon that most of us are tonight, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're saved by the grace and the mercy of the Lord. Then the Bible teaches us there's diversity of grace. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 10, the Bible said it's good stewards of the manifold grace of God. They tell us the word manifold there means many colored. Here, I've never worked like this and operated like this. Pray for me. A little bit different. Then there's not only the doctrine of grace and there's the dispensation of grace and diversity of grace, but there's descriptions through the Bible. There's Old Testament the descriptions that we have. Second Samuel chapter number 9 is a beautiful picture of the grace of God. Luke chapter number 10 in the story of the Good Samaritan. Mark chapter number 5 the maniac of Gadara that was full of demons uh, when the Lord delivered him. Uh, but tonight I'm interested in the former condition here uh, in our text that's before us in verse number 4 through verse number 5. God reminds the nation of Israel of her former condition. Uh, it was one of desertion. It was one of desperation, and it was one of destruction. Then God reminds the nation of Israel of her favored position. How that He favored her and chose the nation of Israel in the loins of Abraham. Now, when he was Abram, you know when he became Abraham, God changed his name to Abraham when he offered tithes unto Melchizedek. And after Abraham, after Abram paid tithes to Melchizedek, God hung the ham on him. And you'll catch on after a while that God changed his name to Abraham. You get to pay in your tithes and God may hang some ham on you. Amen. Now, and God reminds the nation of Israel their former condition and their favored position, but their flourishing recognition. And He tells them how that they became a kingdom and how they did grow and spread. But tonight, very quickly, I'll give you this little outline. You can put some meat on it when you go home, preachers, and use it for the glory of God. And Brother Arthur will come and give us something from God's Word. In verse 4 and verse number 5, I see a reason for the grace of God. And here we see the object of what's going on. And there's an object laying out in the field. And what I see tonight, how it's described in the Bible to me, I see an aborted baby. There's a little baby girl laying out there in the field. And she's laying there, and she's in a, a position of death. I do not believe the baby was alive. For why would God tell the baby to live if the baby was alive? I believe the baby was laying out there. It had been aborted, as it were. The Bible said that. There in verse number 3, 
The Bible said thy father was an Amorite and thy mother a Hittite. I hear the mother say, well, it looks like you, Daddy. And the Daddy said, it looks like you, Mother. And neither one of them wanted the baby. And what's pictured before us is at the picture of a little aborted baby laying out there in the field dead. If you'll notice, in your, that's the condition you and I were in. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. There was not a spark of divinity in us that needed a religious fanning to bring us to God consciousness. We were dead in trespasses and in sins. The Bible said there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that seeketh after God. There's none that understandeth. I'm telling you, it's God that takes the initiative. It's God that moves toward the lost sinner. Now, if you'll notice in verse number 4, the Bible said, Thy navel was not cut. Here you see the uncut condition. What I'm talking about, the, the biblical cord was still attached. The little baby had just been disposed and thrown out. And the cord was still attached to it. Do you remember before you got saved by the grace of God that you were attached to this world's system? And you tried reformation and rehabilitation. And you tried all kind of different things. But you couldn't get cut loose. But the day that you got saved, there was circumcision made without hands upon your heart, friend, that set you free. Not only the uncut condition, but the Bible said, Neither wast thou washed in water. Here you see the uncleanliness. The baby has the afterbirth upon it. I mean, there's the placenta that's on the baby. It's a nasty picture. And the baby is very unclean. No mother would grab this baby and pull it to her breast. No mother would pick this baby up and plant a kiss on it. It's in an unclean condition. How unclean we were before we got saved. How lost, how far down in sin we really, really were. The sin and the degradation. I'm talking about total depravity, friend. Lost without God. The Bible said in Isaiah 64, 6, all of our righteousness was like a filthy rag. And you ought to go home and look that word rag up and find out what all of our righteousness looked like in the sight of God. But then the Bible said in verse 4, Thou wast not salted at all. In other words, this speaks of the uncared. Nobody cared for the baby. What the mothers would do with the salt in that day, they would take the salt and water and they would use it for medicinal purposes. And they'd wash the babies down when they were first born. Here you see the babies uncared for. That's how some of you felt before you got saved. You felt like nobody cared. You thought nobody cared for you. You may be here tonight and you say, Preacher, nobody really loves me. Nobody really cares for me. I'm glad Jesus cares. I'm glad the Lord cares. There's the un- 
uncared for condition, verse number 4, nor swaddled at all. The baby's unclothed. It's laying out that naked as it were. I mean, just open to the elements of the air. And before we got saved, we had no clothing. We had no clothing as it were. We were standing before God naked and bare. But I'm glad He's clothed those of us that are saved in His imputed righteousness. Amen. They used to sing that old song in the mountains. Two coats was before me an old and a new. I'll tell you the best thing that I ever did do was when I laid off the old coat and I put on the new. I'm glad I've been clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus. The Bible said, nor, nor, nor I pity thee. The baby was unwanted. Nobody showing compassion. Nobody showing any pity. The Bible said to have compassion on thee. Unloved. Now, the Bible said that was cast in verse 5. Cast out into the open field. It was uncovered. To the loathing of thy person. Undesirableness. There's something about that word loathing there. Detestable and undesirable. When I look back on my life before I got saved, this side of salvation, and I see how loathing I really was, how detestable I really was, and yet God cared. And yet the Lord had compassion and had mercy. The Bible said, in the day that thou wast born, the unability. You see, the little child, here's the object of the grace of God, a reason for grace. I see this picture, that little baby's laying out there, its fingernails are blue, its eyes are set, its fingers are stiff, its legs are stiff. As it were, I see the vultures flying overhead. You say, preacher, somebody ought to do something. Somebody ought to help this baby. Somebody ought to try to reach out and help it. I'm glad the Bible said in verse number 6, And when I pass by thee, I'm glad God did something, friend. Sure, He's talking about the nation of Israel. But far beyond the nation of Israel, there I was one day in sin, out in the open field, uncovered, unclean, undesirable. But the Lord passed by where I was. Amen. I'm talking about now the resources of grace and the operation of grace. Notice God in His sovereign grace. Now, Abram was in the Ur of the Chaldees. Abram was a heathen and a pagan. Abram had pagan parents. God didn't pick Abram because he was righteous. But God in His sovereign mercy reached down and chose Abram and through his seed. He chose the nation of Israel. And God, you know what God's involved in in these last days? He's picking out a bride. He's choosing a bride for His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said, and verse number 6, And when I, there's the pursuer. I like this. Here's the one that takes the initiative. The little baby can't move toward God. The little baby's not able. The baby's dead and laying there. But the Bible said, and when I, I'm glad God took the initiative and God began to move. That's what happened around here last night and Tuesday and all during this week. It's God that takes the initiative in salvation. You wasn't seeking the Lord. I wasn't seeking the Lord. But He's in the seeking business. Amen. 
I see here the word, I like the word pursuer. It means to follow in order to overtake, to search for, to seek after, and to chase. I'm glad one day the Holy Ghost got on my trail, the high sheriff of heaven, friend. And I'm glad he pursued after my soul. I ought to have been in hell a long, long time ago. I've seen the bullets in the 38 chamber looking at me at the face. I've wrecked cars that walked away from wrecks, tried to commit suicide, and I was 21 years old. I tried to end my life. I ought to have been in hell a long time ago. But I'm glad for the mercy and the grace of God. And I'm glad for the Holy Ghost that pursued and chased and overtook me one day. Yes, brother. He said, it went I, the pursuer, passed by. There's the provision. I'm glad. Listen, that little baby couldn't come to God. But God came where the little baby was. And He made provision. Aren't you glad He made provision for you? Aren't you glad He passed by where you were one day? Troubled your soul, that awakened you to your need of Christ, that aroused you to a God consciousness, and dealt with your heart. He made provision for you. And then He said, and when I pass by thee, there's the pursued. He was looking for that little baby. He was looking for that little baby. And when I pass by thee, I see that thee there and I put myself. I'm glad the Lord was looking for me that day I got saved. The morning I got saved was August the 8th, 1976. It was on a Sunday morning. I wasn't in church. I didn't go to church. I was at home at my mother's house. But the Holy Ghost had been dealing with me and convicting me. And they tell me that morning that I got saved, there was four and a half billion people on planet Earth. Four and a half billion people, they said, then on planet Earth. But I'm glad God the Holy Ghost knew where I was. He knew my address. He knew where I was at. Came where I was. Convicted me. Called me. And dealt with me personally, friend. I'm glad God's got a world vision. For God so loved the world. And in Ephesians 5.25, the Bible said, Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ loved the church. The Lord loves the church. But thank God for Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But it's Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me, who loved me, and gave Himself for me. Amen. I'm glad to be numbered among the chosen. I'm glad to be a part of the sheepfold and a part of the family of God on this Friday night. God came looking for us. Now, I'm looking at it tonight from God's side. I understand the sinner's responsibility. I understand that. But I'm looking at it from God's side tonight. And God passed by where that little baby was. You see, not only did He pass by the provision, pass by thee, that's the pursued. By the way, it is the potter that looks for clay. Clay's never jumped up out of the riverbank and went looking for the potter. The potter searches for the clay. It's the shepherd that looks for the sheep that's lost. Did y'all listen to any of that song they were singing earlier tonight about the shepherd left the ninety and nine to find that one sheep that was lost? 
Luke 15, you mark it down. You say, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say he left the 99, Luke 15, and he went to look for that one lost sheep. And when he found it, he laid it on his shoulders and brought it back in. Sam, rejoice with me. I was that one lost sheep one day. You was that one lost sheep. And he came looking for you, friends. Then he said, I saw thee polluted in thine own blood. There's the place. Can you imagine how awful this scene is? The blood, the afterbirth is on this little baby. But this doesn't deter God. This doesn't cause God to back away and fringe and say too nasty and too dirty and too too sold by the world. But God knew the condition and God passed by. I tell you, some of us was polluted in our own blood, as it were. Wicked and filthy and degenerate. Ought to have been in hell a long time ago. But thank God the Bible said, I saw thee polluted in thine own blood, and I said unto thee, Live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. That's the power of the grace of God. I'm telling you, that little baby's laying there. It's lifeless. It's dead. And God passes on the scene. And God looks down. And God said, Live. Live. You know what I believe happened? I, I believe a little baby began to go, Wah! Wah! I believe fingernails got to moving. Fingers got to moving. Legs got to moving. And life came into that baby. I remember when I was dead in trespasses and in sins. Tried to find help. Looked in a bottle. Looked in a needle. Looked in the dope. And the party life. And for all of that... But all that morning, when Jesus passed by, and I was laying there in my sins, and the Lord leaned over and said, Live! 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 I tell you what happened. Divine life. Imputed righteousness. And the Holy Ghost breathed on my soul, friend. And the life of God, the eternal life of God, came inside. I'm talking about from God's side now. You couldn't reach up to God. You couldn't claim salvation. You couldn't merit salvation. That's what we mean when we say salvation is by grace. Amen. Oh, I see that little baby laying there. God in His sovereign mercy. God in His wisdom and in His holiness and righteousness moves over that little baby. And God looks on the situation. It's helpless and it's hopeless. But God said, live. Live. That's what happened the morning you got saved, the afternoon you got saved, the night you got saved. He said, live. Live. And you've been living ever since. Somebody said life begins at 40. They've lied to me and lied to me. Life doesn't begin at 40. Maintenance begins at 40. Maintenance begins at 40. But life begins at the new birth. The life comes at salvation for you.
Dirty, diseased, depraved, saw thee polluted in thine own blood. Dr. Brown talked about his conversion and told how soiled he was by the world. Many of us was in the same condition. Don't even like to remember it. Don't even like to talk about it. Yet God in His mercy and God in His love. I mean, we were filthy and wicked and depraved and godless specimens of humanity. But the Lord came. And the Lord said, Live. Live, live, and what mother couldn't do, and what daddy couldn't do, and what religion couldn't do, what the Baptist church couldn't do, what the denomination couldn't do, the Holy Ghost did for him. But he said, live, live. John chapter number 11, Lazarus is laying in that tomb. He's graveyard dead. Back of the church dead. Do you understand what I'm talking about? He's back of the church dead. Graveyard dead. Lazarus didn't pass out like some of the modernists say and some of those modern teachers that Lazarus didn't swoon, that Lazarus didn't pass out and the cold air of the grave revived him, that his spirit was in paradise in the bosom of Abraham, that, and his body was laying in that tomb a corpse. But when Jesus came into town... When life and when the resurrection came walking into town, that Jesus knelt down by that tomb and He said, Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. What option did Lazarus have? There wasn't no options to it. The Word of life, the power of authority, the power of the universe said, Live! And old Lazarus come a-scooting out of there, wrapped up like a mummy. Amen. When God calls you, friend, He'll call you out. He'll pick you up. He'll bring you out of that Mary pit. He said, live. Live. The resources of grace. Then there's the results of grace in verse number 8 through 13. Here's the outcome. Lord, I don't have time to develop this. Y'all are killing me and I'm supposed to slow down. I'm sick. The Bible said, and when I pass by thee, in verse number 8, when I pass by thee, that's the condescension. Aren't you glad he condescended that day and came where you were? He said, I looked upon thee. There's the concern. Thy time was the time of love. It was compassionate time. Boy, I'd have thought it was anything but love that day. I was under conviction. I'm glad I got lost so I could get saved. Hallelujah. I like that song. I was under conviction. I didn't know it was the time of love. But that's what God's doing when He births the soul into the family of God. Do you know there's three ways to get into a family? Three ways to get into a natural family. You marry into it. You're born into it, or you can get adopted into it. That's how you can get in a natural family. I'm a Seton by birth. My wife is a Seton by marriage. And if I was to choose to adopt a child, he'd be a Seton by adoption. Do you know I got in the family of God all three ways? Simultaneously. The day I was converted and saved instantaneously, I'll tell you what happened to me. I got birthed into the family. I got married into the family. And I got adopted, friend. He chose me. He chose me. The one of his own. 
that ever dawns on us just right, if it ever dawns on us, Ephesians 1, 3, 1, 4, that we've been chosen in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world, if that thought ever gets loose in our minds, they'll catch us the south end of Goobertown, Arkansas. I'm telling you, He chose us! They told the story about a little adopted child. A little adopted boy was going to school and the kids found out he was adopted. His mom and daddy never told him. They found out that he was adopted. The kids did. And they began to pick at him, make fun of him, and laugh at him. Said, you're adopted. You're adopted. You don't have a real mama and a real daddy. That little boy got in a fight with some of them. I mean, got in a fight and got himself all bruised up. He got sent out of school because of the fight. He got sent home and his mother picked him up. He said, Mama, she said, Son, why have you been fighting? What in the world's going on, son? We taught you better. And he said, Mama, those boys lied to me. Those boys said you wasn't my mother. And they said Daddy wasn't my daddy. Mama, they lied to me. And the mother with tears in her eyes said, Daddy will talk to you at supper. Daddy will talk to you at supper. Supper time, that little boy come in. And the mother told the dad the situation. They began to sit down and eat. And after they'd finished the meal, the dad told the little boy. He said, Son, he said, The truth of the matter is, you are adopted. You're not our son by natural birth, but we adopted you. And the little boy began to cry, began to cry. It broke his heart. He said, now, son, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He said, but, Daddy, I fought for it. He said, I thought you was my daddy and my mama. He said, now, wait a minute, son. He said, you've got to understand the ramifications of this. He said, the daddy said, when we chose to adopt you, we went down to the adoption agency and said in that ward there and in that place was boys and girls. There was girls and there was boys. And there was blue-eyed boys and brown-eyed boys. And there was fair-complected boys. There was dark-complected boys. And, and they were just all kind of boys. And we wanted a boy. And we chose you, son, over all the rest of them. We chose you over everyone that was in there. The boy perked up and he wiped his tears away and said, Daddy, you mean it? You mean to tell me you chose me? You mean you picked me out among all the rest of them? They, he said, son, there was just something about you. Just something about your eyes and your look that attracted and drew us to you. And the daddy said, now, son, when you go to school tomorrow, here's something you can tell them. He said, you get with them boys and you get with those that's been picking on you. When they begin to tell you you're adopted and you were, were not your real mom and daddy. You tell them boys and girls down there that their mom and daddy had to take whatever popped out. But we chose you. We chose you. I'm glad I've been chosen. Chosen. Hallelujah. The great God of this universe reached down in the muck and the mire and chose me for one of His own. Oh, that time was the time of love. Verse 8 said, I spread my skirt over thee. He said, I spread my skirt over thee, Israel. I claim, that's the claiming. I claimed you for my very own. Lord, my mind runs to Ruth chapter number 3. Boaz is down at the threshing floor. He's laying there sound asleep. And Ruth nudges in. And she's got Moab madness on. And she's got some good smelling stuff. And she lays down at Boaz's feet. And about midnight, Boaz wakes up and said, Who art thou, my damsel? And she said, I am Ruth. And you're a near kinsman redeemer. Spread thy skirt over me. And claim me for thine own. And Boaz said, I'm going to do it. Amen. I'm glad God has spread His skirt of love. And His skirt of holiness and righteousness over His church. Over His church. 
He said, I covered thy nakedness. There's the clothing. Can you imagine how God clothed that little baby? He said, I, I covered thy nakedness. God doesn't have to go down to big lots. God doesn't have to go down to the Kmart and the Walmart. But God reached back in the wardrobe room of grace. When that old prodigal son come home, Dad said, get the best robe. Get the best robe in the house. And get a ring and put shoes on his feet. I'm glad, listen, God didn't reach back in a moth-covered closet. How I many reached back in the wardrobe room of grace and has clothed his church in his imputed righteousness? He said, I entered into a covenant with thee in verse 8. He said, I entered into a covenant with thee. A covenant, not a contract. A contract can be broken, friend, but a covenant's eternal. Not only did God enter into a covenant with Israel, but Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6 said, we've got a better covenant. A better covenant, the cross of the Lord Jesus. Then he said, and thou becamest mine, the confirmation. He said, I wash thee with water. Can you imagine the picture in my mind's eyes, God taking that little baby? The blood's on the little baby. The dust is on the little baby. God takes His wash rag of sovereign love, dips it down in the bucket of grace. He begins to wash that little baby's face. He begins to wash its arms and wash its little belly. And He begins to clean off all of that dirt. You say, preacher, you don't look like much tonight. And I ain't much tonight, but you should have seen me when He found me. You should have seen me when He found me, friend. And praise God, He's not through working on me yet. These preachers take the wash rag of the gospel, and they've been a-washing on me and a-washing on me and helping me get cleaned up, friend. He said, I wash thee with water, the cleansing. Amen, friend. He won't leave you where He found you. He won't leave you in the muck and the mire. He said, I, I like verse 9. He said, I anointed thee with all. He said, I anointed thee with all. This is the controlling power to me. This speaks of the Holy Ghost, if you will. When my little girl, Rebecca, was born, our first child, you know, as new parents. And, and I mean, every time that baby would cry, we'd jump up and run into each other. Lord, I thought she was a dying every time she'd cry. I mean, why was 28? I was almost 30 years old when she was born, and Barbara was 28. We was late in life getting started. But I tell you, Barbara would take that Johnson's baby oil. Little Rebecca had cradle cap when she was the first born. You grandmamas know what I'm talking about, little flaky spots in her head. And Barbara would take that Johnson's baby oil, and she'd dump it on that handle, put it on that, on that rag. She'd just kind of wipe her head, put it on her head, and wipe her head, and part her hair. And then she'd take that Johnson's baby oil and just put it on her face. Next thing you know, she'd be rubbing her arms with that Johnson's baby oil. Next thing, Rebecca was a glistening and a shining. Amen. You know what God's been doing? Mm. He's been getting the oil. The oil of the Holy Ghost. Been oiling us up for Him. Bathing the weary one's head. He's refreshing us here with the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm glad I, I, listen, I don't know all I need to know about the Holy Ghost, but I'm not afraid of the Holy Ghost and the power of heaven, friend. And I appreciate the river of God that's been running here. He said in verse number 12, he said, I set a beautiful crown upon thy head. Coronation. He said, I crowned you, Israel. I crowned you as my own. 
You said, Preacher Satan, we've not got to heaven yet. We're not wearing no crowns yet. I don't know that we'll ever wear a crown. Probably when He gives us those crowns, if we earn one, if we earn a crown, you know what we'll do? We won't put a crown on our head. We won't strut all over heaven. I'll tell you what we'll do with it. We'll take it and throw it down at His feet and bow down and say, Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. And we'll count Him King of kings and Lord of lords, friend. But He did say in the book of Psalms, chapter 113, verse 4, Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who covereth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. I'm glad He redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee, that's the word, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Everybody that's in here has been saved. You've been crowned with loving kindness and you've been crowned with tender mercies. Then I close in verse 14, the recognition of grace. Here's the recognition Here you see the overflow of grace. He said, Israel, he said, thy renown, that carries the idea of distinguished position. Thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty. For it was perfect through my comeliness which I put upon thee, saith the Lord God. Well, I mean, they begin to hear the Amalekites and the Perizzites and the Jezbuzites and the Egyptians and, and, and everybody begin to hear about Israel about the nation of Israel, whose God is the Lord. Whose God is the... And see, their renown, their regal position, their distinguished standing begin to go out in front of them. You say, preacher, see, nobody knows who we are. Nobody thinks we're anything. They passed by this road. They probably laughed at us. They laughed and probably carried on. They say a bunch of crazy people up under that tent, hot mace, afternoon. But they don't understand, see? They don't understand. You say, preacher, you don't look like much, and I'm not much. Like Brother Maccabee said last night, it's not well with my health, and it's not well, it's not well with my bank account, but thank God it is well with my soul. I closed a few years ago. We was down in Atlanta preaching a meeting next to close to where Brother Joe's at. I was with Brother Don Drake, and I've never been to a Macy's department store. I'd heard about them. And I remember when I was a little boy, I used to watch the, the parades and they'd talk about Macy's department store in Chicago and places like that. It was down there in Atlanta and they got that triple-decker mall, three-decker mall. I'd never been to a place like that. And Brother Don took me in and I, I'm used to big lots. And I'm used to finding the, the bargains and the blue light specials. You know what I'm talking about? Amen, friend. And I got in there and we took me to Macy's. Walked into Macy's department store and we got to walking around. And I've looked at a sport, a sport coat. And mind you, a sport coat by itself. Five hundred dollars. I eased it back in there, you know, real nice. Hoped I didn't crease it any. I picked up a pair of shoes. I mean, it's close to five hundred dollars for a pair of shoes. I pushed, I get mine at the flea market. Johnson and Murphy's. I get them at the flea market. Thirty-five dollars. Praise God, that's a bargain. <laughs> I pushed them shoes back in there. Them shirts was a hundred and a hundred and fifty dollars. I'd eased him back in there, and me and Brother Don got ready to walk out. He was laughing. He was laughing at me. And he's, I said, what are you laughing about? 
He said, didn't you see the owner of this business? Didn't you see that guy that's a manager looking at you and laughing? I said, no, I didn't see him. He said, why well, he recognized you as just a country bumpkin? He recognized you as just an old plow boy and didn't have nothing and saw you put those things back and, and kind of gasped when you saw him. I didn't hesitate. I mean, God said to my heart, said, son, you tell that old man if he says a word to you that two of the king's sons... Two of the king's children just come walking through this penny ante store. And where we're going, you hear me? Where we're going, friend, the streets are paved with gold. And the walls are jasper. And the gates are several pearl. I'm glad we're somebody. And we're going somewhere. All by the grace of God.